I will say this. I did not write this, but somebody did. Susan, if it's you, this should be holding down a place in every textbook in the world in the future. And I'm going to read to you what I think is one of the most eloquently stated statements about what we have just been through and what we must all recognize is now the truth. And for those of you who've been watching The High Wire, this one's for you. Let this sink in. An opinion piece from a vaccinated Australian writer is what it's called. If COVID was a battlefield, it would still be warm with the bodies of the unvaccinated. Thankfully, the mandates are letting up and both sides of the war stumble back to the new normal. The unvaccinated are the heroes of the last two years as they allowed us all to have a control group in the great experiment and highlight the shortcoming of the COVID vaccines. The unvaccinated carry many battle scars and injuries as they are the people we tried to mentally break. Yet no one wants to talk about what we did to them and what they forced the science to unveil. We knew that the waning immunity of the fully vaccinated had the same risk profile as others within society as the minority of the unvaccinated, yet we marked them for special persecution. You see, we said that they had not done the right thing for the greater good by handing their bodies and medical autonomy over to the state. Many of the so-called health experts and political leaders in Australia admitted the goal was to make life almost unlivable for the unvaccinated which was multiplied many times by the collective mob, with the fight taken into workplaces, friendships, and family gatherings. Today, the hard truth is none of it was justified as we took a quick slide from righteousness to absolute cruelty. We might lay the blame on our leaders and health experts for the push, but each individual within society must be held accountable for stepping into the well-laid-out trap. We did this despite knowing full well that principled opposition is priceless when it comes to what goes inside our bodies and we let ourselves be tricked into believing that going into another ineffective lockdown would be the fault of the unvaccinated and not the fault of the toxic policy of ineffective vaccines. We took pleasure in scapegoating the unvaccinated because after months of engineered lockdowns by political leaders blinded by power, having someone to blame in turn to burn at the stake felt good. We believed we had logic, love, and truth on our side, so it was easy to wish death upon the unvaccinated. Those of us who ridiculed and mocked the non-compliant did it because we were embarrassed by their courage and principles and didn't think the unvaccinated would make it through unbroken. And we turned the holdouts into punching bags. Lambie, Carr, Chant, Andrews, McGowan, Gunner, and the other cast of hundreds in prominent roles. And we here in America, we could add Fauci and the rest of them and Biden in prominent roles need to be held to account for vilifying the unvaccinated in public and fueling angry social media mobs. The mobs, the masked Nazis, and the vaccine disciples have been embarrassed by betting against the unvaccinated because mandates only had the power we gave them. It was not compliance that ended domination by big pharma companies, Bill Gates and his many organizations and the World Economic Forum. It was thanks to the people we tried to embarrass, ridicule, mock and tear down. We should all try and find some inner gratitude for the unvaccinated as we took the bait by hating them because their perseverance and courage bought us the time to see we were wrong. So if mandates ever return for COVID, 
or any other disease or virus, hopefully more of us will be awake and see the rising authoritarianism that has no concern for our well-being and is more about power and control. The war of the unvaccinated was lost, on the unvaccinated was lost. And we should all be very thankful for that. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. This was a show that was kind of put together last minute. I have some just a few things I wanted to get to, but it's turned out to be quite a frustrating day, and I wasn't... I was. Going back and forth whether I wanted to even go quickly into this. I'm not going to take too long on it, but you might wonder why the camera view looks different today. It's just one thing after another. And I got to be honest, I don't know how I can't wear my, I'm the kind of person that has my emotions on my sleeve, and you guys tend to know that. I'm very frustrated today, and it, it, it drives me to a place to where it's like you feel like you just want to give up, and it's never going to happen because you know me well enough to know that moments after that, it, the frustration builds to the point to where it makes me dig in even harder. I swear to God, if I have to fucking do this with a tin, two tin cans and a piece of string, I'm never going to stop doing this or writing letters to people. I'm never going to stop doing this. My frustration is how often these things can – right now – it's impossible not to see how this gets increasingly more frustrating when every piece of technological anything in my life is fr- is not working properly right now. And it's very frustrating that for some – even I went on slow uh, uh, AM wake up this morning, and for some reason my camera, my audio, things weren't working. And then today the same thing. My camera, no matter what I do, doesn't even matter, guys. I don't, I, like, I don't want to take too long on it. Just doesn't work. Same thing works with everything else, but wasn't it doesn't work on StreamYard and this and brand new computer and so on. But the bottom line was, I'm not going to let it stop me from doing what I'm doing. So now we're going to use, I guess, the, the camera here, which is not that bad apparently with the new the new the computer. But in any case, it the same. I don't want. I was trying to use a different term, but you know, the technocratic panopticon, as I keep calling it, is very clearly building out around us, and it's not even a secret. Whether or not you think that's this or that that the ideas around it are conspiracy theory, they're openly telling you what they want to do and how they want to control it. And it's very frustrating to me. But on top of that, other things are happening around that as well, things that I'm not going to get into and not even related to manipulation possibly. Uh, uh, I'm frustrated on top of that that I'm going to ultimately put off my Rockfin exclusive show starting probably tomorrow now due to other things that I just I'm frustrated about as well. But that will be coming out. Uh, and it, I, like I said, it's going to be called Moving Target. And I have two great interviews that I'm planning to release, maybe even in the first week. I don't want uh, – there's one with Jason Bassler and one with Kerry uh, Wedler, both of which are like a week old now, so I don't want to let them go too long because they're both fantastic interviews. But I thought they deserve to be exclusive shows for this. I think it will be very good. Uh, you know, you guys will really enjoy them. But I'm probably going to be starting tomorrow now due to other things. But that being said, today's show probably won't be that long. Uh, you know, again, I, I say that and then we talk for four hours, but there's only a few things we're going to get into and it was kind of put off. So we're going to talk about as the title shows you really, and it's not even a new article. It's actually an article from 2020 that's talking about ivermectin being a possible, you know, po- useful tool against COVID-19 in the beginning is corporate media. 
But what's interesting to me is not that that was put out and then they went out of their way to try to suppress it all, as we've seen. But interestingly enough, that Newsbreak, this app that pumps these things out, put this out today, citing ABC News, saying it's a new article, no indication anywhere. And I'll show you that it's old. So it's confusing people in the comments on Newsbreak saying, of course, now they admit it. Now they argue ivermectin can work, or maybe. A breaking news something we've all been talking about. So it's very interesting, and so I figured, you know what, let's just poke at it again. Let's go through it reasonably quickly and include some new studies, by the way, that show you still, as of right now, the body of peer-reviewed science and random-controlled trials are just undeniable. Yes, it's got antiviral properties. Yes, in every possible way, it seems to be effective against COVID-19. At the very least, regardless of whether you think that's completely sound, because there are other studies that argue differently, not as, in my opinion, as gold standard random controlled trial, but that still, at the very least, it's obvious that it's not horse paste that hurts people that has nothing to do with this at all. I mean, think about how childishly stupid that was coming out and arguing first that it wasn't even for human use or that all of them were using horse paste when this is something that has very clearly been shown to have very strong effects in this exact way. And yes, it's, it's antiparasitical, but the point is now it's being shown and has been since the beginning to have antiviral effects and on and on and on. You guys have heard all of this, but I'm going to go through that again to start today. And I'm also going to get into some information around uh, the monkeypox <laughs> emergency that is still continuing. As you might have seen, California also initiating a state of emergency. We're going to go over his state of emergency from Gavin Newsom, which is crazy. I mean, it's there's one spot in this that I think is almost I don't even it's unexplainable. And you'll see what I mean. I won't go over it until we get to it. But it's really interesting to see that this one thing was called out and said, but this won't be applied as if they have the ability to pick and choose which things apply and don't in regard to past legislation around declarations of emergency. It's very, very interesting. I had something left open there that I don't need. And then finally, we're going to talk about the energy crisis. The, the manufactured energy crisis. And even Telegraph is writing an article as of yesterday that's entitled, A Catastrophic Energy Crisis Will Fuel a Revolt Against Our Failed Elites. Very interesting. And you'll be very surprised to hear the take they have on it. Well, of course, they're, I mean, failed elites might actually be apl applicable, but they're elitists. They're not elite in any way. They believe themselves to be, and that's why the term elitists is the right term. But what's interesting is the argument is very clearly laying out how one, even if you think they tried to do the right thing, which is the one point they'll make is they kind of let that be the case. They thought they were doing right by you, showing you that they failed, that they did not do, not just because we didn't want it, which is part of it, but because they failed at what they're trying to accomplish, their globalist agenda. I mean, that's coming from the Telegraph. I just find it very revealing that this is not just a flimsy in your parents' basement conspiracy theory. It's being written right on corporate media, and yet you can't talk about this in certain circles without being shouted down as dangerous misinformation. And, you know, see, I guess the point is always is it's only misinformation when it comes from unapproved sources. As in every other thing we've talked about, they want the conversation to evolve clearly in some way, but not from you, right? Not from the people that aren't part of these circles or aren't tapped into the two-party illusion or are, random, are often not objective in their coverage, right? As I pointed out, the objective nonpartisan coverage is the thing they're most scared of because it's the truth, in my opinion. But we'll start off today. With uh, Oh, yeah, I really, I forgot I was going to say, I'm wearing this shirt today again just to give a shout out to truthclothing.io. I might as well bring it open here so you guys can see that. If you're interested in buying, I forgot to type everything out now, the new computer doesn't pop up, which is a good thing. We shouldn't be relying on these pop-ups and autocorrects and all that. But if you're interested in supporting this platform, here's one of the ways you can do so. 
Because as, as I've been continually trying to point out, The Last American Vagabond is more under attack today than I've ever seen in my life. It's it's blowing my mind, actually, how obvious this has become. Just over the last so many months, people continue to point out what's going on with the website. And I'm going back and forth with the team at HostGator, and they don't understand what's going on. I mean, you will not believe how many times I've heard from these types of people the, the phrase, I've never seen that before. <laughs> it's, oh, great. And you're the expert? Well, that makes me feel fantastic. But over and over and over, like where my cable guy will come and be like, you know, after the, all the things we had happening in the beginning, and they, I've never seen that before. I mean, if you do you remember when I reported that? And I proved this to you. The cable guy came and found that my cord had been cut in the backyard. Of course, that could have happened for something else. But you add all these together, it's very interesting to see how this continues. And I don't want to sound too conspiratorial because these are things I can't prove. When there's a point to say that, you know, you don't want to throw out all these ideas that you can't necessarily prove. My point always comes back to the idea that this is what they're planning and building, whether or not it's happening to me in this moment. But the point being, our website is dramatically under attack. And so if you'd like to support the website and the platform and what we're doing, here's one way you can do it under partners. And by the way, slow news days on there as well. I'm, gl I'm very glad to see them set up with with truthclothing.io. But here's our page, and you can see all sorts of shirts you can buy. We have all sorts of different question everything t-shirts, red, black, women's, everything like all sweatshirts. And I mean, I love these, by the way. They're actually really great quality, all the different kinds. Two pages, in fact, go to the other side, and we have a new blue one and stickers and long sleeves and so on. So just if you'd like to support us, Truth Clothing gets supported in, in a smaller way by this. And then we are actually into the... For, yeah, that's right. So they get the majority because they do most of the work. Majority of the break, we get some of it as well. So it supports both of us. But if you want to support us directly, it goes directly to us. And I'm trying to add crypto to this. Yet again, I'll include the donation link, thelastamericanvagabond.com forward slash donations forward slash donation slash form. Help us out. We need your help, guys. We really do. Now, I want to start off with the opening clip that we played there. And that's why I wanted to play that because we just talked about that. As you can see from my article we did here vax begin turning on their oppressors as the covid narrative disintegrates and government collusion exposed and that was about the nih pressure or both the nih and the fda had higher ups pressuring the people to approve this before the evidence was even sound and then they result they re they resigned because they knew it wasn't sound and it still went forward i mean it's just crazy but on top of that that there are people that were going along at first that are pushing back on this guys I mean, really aggressively now. I mean, you remember the boosters, it's less than a third of the country has even gone along with the booster. That's number one, not even number two. Those are people that were along with this that are now being called unvaccinated because they don't want to go along with it. Just look how quickly you turned into the anti-vaxxer the moment that you didn't take shot number three. The point is that people are pushing back and we all are beginning to see it. It's very clear. That's not my opinion. It's everywhere. That's what they're desperately trying to cover up. That's my point when you see all the corporate media stuff starting to squeak out around the sides, showing you that this is not as clear as they want it to be or as 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 one sided, where it's all everybody's on one side and you're the anti-vaxxer that's fighting against it. Nope. People are on your side. You're not alone. So I want to play this clip just to add to that before we get into the ivermectin part. It says with an extra 1,500 deaths, more than average happening, more than average. So 1,500 deaths, more than the normal average happening per week in the UK is not looking so good for the vaccinated, according to yet another professor. Remember, there's a reason that we were poking at the UK and Scotland specifically for so long, because the data and the focal point, I mean, it's very clearly one of the most obvious locations of the pandemic of the injected. So, you know, one more example of this as another person speaks up. 
Um, <clears throat> so we have these two hypotheses. One of them is lack of care, and the other one is that uh, we've got um, uh, adverse effects of the uh, COVID-19 vaccines. And <clears throat> what we can do is we can run a, an experiment. And the government have, have run an experiment, and the experiment is that we apply what we think uh, <clears throat> might be causing the excess deaths, and that is the vaccines. So we give a booster dose of the vaccines. And if our hypothesis about <clears throat> excess death being caused by vaccines is correct, we should see, once again, a rise in excess death <clears throat> about 12 to 14 weeks after the uh, <clears throat> application of those experimental vaccines. And we had a look at the data in 2022, and uh, that seems to be exactly what is happening. At the beginning of 2022, we didn't have excess death, excess death fell. Uh, but then it started again <laughs> in Scotland, about 10 weeks into 2022. And it started first in the older age groups, and then it uh, <clears throat> started later on in, in the younger, uh, younger age groups. That's exactly as we would predict, uh, <clears throat> according to our hypothesis, that there is some relationship between excess death and the vaccine. Um, so this is not this is a way in which we can see whether there's a causal relationship between vaccines and excess death. It's an experiment. It's an experiment which I wish they hadn't conducted, but it is an experiment. Uh, so often we're told that these things are just a coincidence. Well, here we've got an actual experiment, and it tells us that we've got some sort of causal relationship between the two. So, right. So the, what he's saying right there, guys, is that the experiment is the world and the situation that's go, how, what's been going on with the injections, right? The fact, and it sort of ties in with, with the original uh, art, Australian article that, that Del Bigtree was reading, that the control group, as we've all been pointing out, that's why it's been so desperate to hide that and get everyone to take the injections because you're effectively the control group and your resistance has now proven that they're wrong. In fact, now with this Pfizer data that's been forced out because they didn't want you to see it for 75 years, it proves that not only was that the case, but they knew that was the case, that they covered up that that was the case, that it wouldn't stop transmission, that it didn't have efficacy, that it wasn't safe enough. They knew these things, guys. But his point is that, that they, based on the, the, the real-world data, it's obvious that there's a causal connection here. We can see the increased uh, mortality. We can all, I mean, you just add everything together we've been discussing, and not just the, hypo the hypothesis, the hypothetical conversations, but the peer-reviewed science. It is undeniably clear that this is a problem. It's not helping people. It's increasing your risk. It's hurting. I mean, whether or not it's even the small thing they say is happening is the right thing the right antibody, the right effect. I mean, my God, everything's in front of you. But there's just one more example of another expert speaking up and saying, yes, it's very clear that we have a problem. But to speak to the idea of whether they want, you know, the treatment side of this, all that aside, if you want to pretend that that's just not there, ask yourself why this happened in the very beginning at all. And here, well, first of all, here's the crazy part about this. This is what, you know, made me decide to poke at ivermectin again today. As even you know, I was resistant to even get into these conversations because I hate the idea of promoting any big pharma drug. But here's an interesting point. This is ABC News, rather Newsbreak, posting this, and they make this seem as if this just came out. You'll notice there is no 
indication anywhere in this article about anything other than the top date where it says 17 hours ago. And you'll notice the comments down here are all talking about this. Like, of course, they're going to say it now that it works after millions have died. And they're right to say that because it is ridiculous that this is a point we're at this point now. Oh, I was making sure I didn't lose that. Okay. I, I highlighted over here. Oh, I think, oh, actually, I didn't even go through it really. It was just the point of where we are. But head lice drug emerges as potential coronavirus treatment studies show. And it's really embarrassing, first of all, if it did, well, rather, the idea is if it did come out today, this would be embarrassing because it's like the thing we keep pointing out. Breaking news, it looks like this new head lice drug, you mean ivermectin? Yeah, that's what they're talking about, shows the possible treatment, and it would be really ridiculous. It will really, it would be in line with everything else they've done. Look, breaking news, it looks like cloth masks don't work. Oh, welcome to the team, guys. Well, also N95s don't have statistic, statistically significant reducing in reduction. <laughs> I set myself up terribly there. We also know that N95s are equally not statistically significant in regard to reducing transmission. But the point is that they keep coming around to the things we've already been saying. Like, you're censored for arguing these can cause blood clots. And a week later, it looks like the science is they can cause blood clots. It's ridiculous. So that's why this ever was pushing back and it caught my attention. But the point was, it's not. So I don't know why that's happening, but it is ABC, but it's from April 14, 2020. Isn't that strange? But just because it came up again, and because maybe there's some reason they want this poked out and people talking about it again, let's make sure we're aware of where we really are. Now, not with the article, but the data, the science that we can prove that's already been there. This is from January 2021. There's more than this, by the way. This is just the ones I find important to the conversation today, and there's only just a few of them I'm going to show. Ivermectin, an award-winning drug, and that's the Nobel Prize, uh, the uh, Nobel, uh, uh, what was it, the, just, it's all right here, Nobel prize honored distinction not winning but honored just to be clear but it is an award-winning drug with accepted expected excuse me antiviral activity against COVID-19 so in January 2021 a peer-reviewed study on National Library of Medicine PubMed said yes we know that yes or rather that we see that it has an award-winning drug and it has antiviral activity that is expected around COVID-19 and here's why I've this is early so not say that yet they haven't proven that it does have that effect they're just simply saying it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that it would. And yet th they were so quick to push back on this as if it was the biggest conspiracy theory ever. Before the science, even though there was obvious indication that it would, and yet it was like, that's the craziest thing ever because there was a reason they didn't want there to be any viable treatment at this point. That's my opinion, obviously, the last part. Ivermectin is an FDA-approved broad-spectrum antiparasitic agent with demonstrated antiviral activity. That was already the case, guys. And they pushed back even on the idea that it had antiviral possibilities. And it says against a number of DNA and RNA viruses, including SARS-CoV-2. So they already knew that it had demonstrated antiviral activity against that specific SARS-CoV-2. I think that was it. Okay, so that's just the first part. January 2021. Let's go to June 12th, 2020. Oh, whoops, I did that backward. These ones are 2021. Okay, so we should have started with that one, technically. This is the first one. Ivermectin, a systematic review from antiviral effects to COVID-19 complementary regimen. So June 2020, barely, we're all, we, at March, around March 2020, they had started giving out the injections to people outside of the trials, right? So in June 2020, they're already saying that they knew this would possibly work, and it was so quick to be shut down. And then just jumping back to this, by the time we got to the beginning of 2021, the science was already showing that it did have an effect. It says Ivermectin proposes many, and this is on, for those on the, on the podcast, this is nature.com, the journal of antibiotics, not some fringe conspiracy site. But it says, Ivermectin proposes many potentials 
uh, potential effects to treat a range of diseases with its antimicrobial, antiviral, and anti-cancer properties as a wonder drug. That's the thing they're calling horse paste conspiracy theory. In this comprehensive systematic review, antiviral effects of ivermectin are summarized, including in vitro and in vivo studies over the past 50 years. Several studies reported antiviral effects of ivermectin on RNA viruses. I mean, that's pretty damn clear, isn't it? The obvious, the, the frustrating part of all this is that this has been there from the beginning, right? That they knew that this was the case, or at the very least, that it wasn't something that you could shout down as ridiculous. Bottom line at the end, it says, in the systematic review, we showed antiviral effects of ivermectin on a broad range of both RNA and DNA viruses by reviewing all related evidences since 1970. And yet all it takes is one corporate media and one government push to say fake news and all of it gets washed away under the cover of the rapid, pushed out observational type studies they did in the middle of this. Because that's science, right? Well, then we showed you this one, which was January 2021. Then we go to the American Journal of Therapeutics. Review of emerging evidence. So now we're at May, June 2021. Same time frame as the other one. Reviewing the evidence of, emer of demonstrating the efficacy of ivermectin in the prophylaxis and treatment of COVID-19. Here's what it says. Meta-analyses based on 18 random controlled treatment trials. That is the gold standard. You don't beat that with one observational study from a compromised entity. I should, the last part doesn't even matter. That's my opinion. But you don't just say, well, here's one we rushed out that's not even the same. And that counts because it's, it says what we want. 18 random controlled trials is really hard to beat. Of, of ivermectin, 18 in COVID-19 have found large, statistically significant reductions in mortality. That should end the conversation in the context of its complete conspiracy theory. Time to, it says time to clinical recovery as well and time to viral clearance. All of these things have found statistically significant reductions. Furthermore, results from numerous controlled prophylaxis trials report significantly reduced risk of contracting COVID-19 with the use of regular, the regular use of ivermectin. Finally, the many examples of ivermectin distribution campaigns leading to rapid population-wide decreases in morbidity and mortality indicate an oral agent effective in all phases of COVID-19 has been identified. How do you put that to bed? I mean, how do you seriously take a peer-reviewed study of 18 random controlled trial meta-analyses and say, because it's not one, right? Understand, there's multiple meta-analyses that are analyses they're using based on 18 random controlled trials, and they found, obviously, statistically significant reductions in mortality, clinical recovery, viral clearance, prophylaxis treatment, and basically pointing out that it's useful in any stage of your problem. But here we are. It just blows my, it really does blow my mind. Now, again, I'm never the one that says, well, this is the one thing. Question it. You have a right to question it. They could be paid. They could be lying. They could be manipulated. They could be wrong. All that counts, right? But the problem is that they pretend like this isn't even there. So Joe Rogan gets prescribed ivermectin from a doctor. Four people takes it, gets better. And yet all they say is horse paste. Stupid Joe Rogan and horse paste. Like, think about how dumb you have to be to feel, to blindly walk into that. And then to keep watching the people that said that, even as this gets proven out in the real time that they lied about what was happening. They lied about horse paste. They lied about the people standing in line. I mean, that's, it just blows my mind. I thought I had this in here, but I guess not. 
Oh, I do right there. Here, I just want to play this again because this is so embarrassing. This and point is, as always, like a like a, a Rachel Maddow conversation. It doesn't matter how stupid they look, how much they double, triple, quadruple down on the very clear lies, they still get promoted. If you think about RussiaGate and 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 <laughs> Maddow, how do you survive something like that in a real, honest, organic situation? You don't. <laughs> so things are clearly bad. But they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. The emergency room in one rural Oklahoma town is being overwhelmed by people overdosing on ivermectin, the horse deworming medication. It's gotten so bad that gunshot victims, gunshot victims are having to wait to be treated. Now, the point was the gunshot victims she showed were actually people in line for shots and they got caught. It got exposed. The, the place they pointed out called, made a comment and said, that's not true. And they just left it alone, walked away from it because they got their propaganda out. It wasn't horse paste. It was human ivermectin specifically for this kind of stuff. The bottom line is it's ridiculous to watch them argue that. Hold on. There was one of the so points. things are clearly bad, but they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. The emergency room in one rural Oklahoma town is being overwhelmed by people overdosing on ivermectin, the horse deworming medication. It's gotten so bad that gunshot. Yeah, I think that was the only I think the only point that I was going to the horse, the, the, the idea that the only thing that they're using is somehow horse ivermectin. It's just lowbrow, lowest common denominator, completely unverified statements by corporate media. And we're the people that get censored. Right. Well, let's go to the next one. Here's one from from June. Also, June 2020, the FDA approved drug ivermectin inhibits the replication of SARS-CoV-2 in vitro. So now we know it has antiviral effects. We know that it reduces mortality. And here's another study that says, well, guess what? It also just stops it from replicating altogether. All the science, trust the science crowd seem to be really confused about what they think they should be trusting. Here's what it says. We report here. Ivermectin, an FDA approved antiparasitic previously shown previously shown to have broad spectrum antiviral activity in vitro so yet they knew that didn't care shouted it down said you're crazy for calling it anti anything other than parasitic is an inhibitor of the causative virus SARS-CoV-2 able to affect 5,000 fold reduction gee I wonder why they didn't want anybody using this so instead give them an injection that causes all sorts of negative problems that has seemingly no effect on what they say is happening, but also don't give them a thing that can actually reduce the problem because then we can't emergency authorize anything. That's the point. Well, let's keep going. Here's the next one. The Lancet. Antiviral effect. This is July 1st, seven, excuse me, June 17th, July 1st up here. Antiviral effect of high dose ivermectin in adults with COVID-19. A proof of concept randomized trial. All right, let's go. Let's go back to their observational hot flash in a hot flash in a pan study they did while this is happening, and act like what we just gone over so far is just not enough. It's conspiracy theory. How embarrassing it must be for these people to actually be confronted with this stuff and then make the conscious choice to ignore it for their own agenda, and then pretend like they're fighting for the truth. I think it was at the bottom. Yeah, right here. In summary, our findings support the hypothesis that ivermectin has a concentration-dependent antiviral activity against SARS-CoV-2 and provides insights into the type of evaluations to be considered in the assessment of antiviral drugs for control of COVID-19. Yes, it has an effect. Whether or not it doesn't, the, the point is just to make the point clear. This is the Lancet saying this does have an effect and should be considered in how you assess the antiviral treatment of people with this problem. And yet, this is shouted down after this. The Lancet of all places. Do you think they don't know this is there? 
There's an agenda that's playing out, and it's that clear today. September 2021. This is the one I've shown many times. Ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize honor distinction with indicated efficacy against the new global surge COVID-19. One after another. Shouted down. Ignored. Fake news. More than 20 random clinic, randomized clinical trials, the gold standard, have tracked such inpatient and outpatient treatments. Six of the seven meta-analysis of ivermectin treatment random controlled trials reported in 2021 found notable reductions in COVID-19 fatalities with a mean average 31% relative risk of mortality versus controls during mass ivermectin treatments in Peru. Excess death fell by an average of 74% over 30 days in 10 different states with the most extensive treatments. Reductions in death correlated with the extent of ivermectin distributions in all 25 states. Yeah, flimsy conspiracy theory, clearly. Then the most recent that I've shown, there's plenty more than this, guys. January 31st, ivermectin shows antiviral effect against COVID. Now, they've updated and changed this article, and I'll show you why. But the, still, the point is still, is it horse-paste killing everybody? Or is it very clearly something that has an effect on COVID that has been suppressed from the very beginning? Well, now they're even admitting it. Because the fact checks go, fact check. Japanese study says ivermectin is effective against Omicron in phase three trial. Well, their assessment is false. Do you know why? Well, because what they say here is that, well, it's not really a, a, an effective against Omicron thing. They're simply arguing that it has, as they've re-updated it to, antiviral effect against COVID-19. So the very argument that people made from the very beginning that this has an effect against COVID and it should be used and we should be allowed to use it if we're in danger, the one that they shouted down and said fake news, they're now admitting to because they have to cover the fact that it's not the most effective thing. See, because the thing they're saying, this was the first part was, effective against Omicron specifically. So instead of saying, well, no, it has no effect, they have to circle back and go, well, it's antiviral effect, just not the sound the effect against Omicron. This is how this whole process has gone. The thing you were censored for in the beginning is what they admit to now to challenge the next argument. This is, they know they're lying to you. There is no way they don't know that. That's my opinion, but my God. It says Japanese trading and pharmaceutical companies, Kawa Co Company Limited, on Monday, said that an anti-parasite drug, ivermectin, showed an antiviral effect against Omicron and other coronavirus variants in joint non-clinical research. There you go. That's the only point. It has an effect and should be allowed, and the fact that there is a valuable treatment means these shouldn't be emergency authorized. But it's all fake news. The company, which has been working with Tokyo's uh, Kitasato University on testing the drug as a potential treatment for COVID-19, did not provide further details. The original Reuters story misstated that ivermectin was effective against Omicron in phase three clinical trials, which are conducted in humans. I don't know what the difference is here. If you're finding antiviral effect against COVID-19, how is that not based on their safe and effective narrative around this? Well, that's more effective than they're arguing these are effective. Well, you didn't die, so it's effective. That's their COVID-19 vaccine argument. So here we are watching it have actual antiviral effect. This is ignoring the 20-plus meta-analysis, random-controlled trials, all finding very clear effect against mortality and everything else. Let's push that aside, because it's all fake news. They're admitting that this is the case, and yet then quibbling about whether that means effective or not. If it has antiviral effect, it's effective. And they're showing that. So this is just quibbling about the details, as always. Clinical trials are ongoing, but promotion of ivermectin as a COVID-19 treatment has generated controversy. Yeah, I wonder why. Fact check. False. That's all they want to see. False claim. And that's what the, the debunkers, the fact checkers will point at. You dummy. It's a fact check. They said it was fake. Well, what did they say was fake? Did you actually read the fact check? Because all they're really saying is that it's effective against Omicron 
but yet it has antiviral effect against COVID-19. Yeah, let's pretend that doesn't say the same thing. But before we get into that, I wanted to play, let's see, this one again. For the, so Just so we understand, hold on. There it is. Understand the breakdown of that risk and relative and everything we've talked about before. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, 8 out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit, or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead, which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? So considering all of that and the idea that, one, you're not really at risk in general from this problem, so they're giving you something that increased that risk, which is ridiculous, but on top of that, something that can reduce even the mild problem this is to less serious, less concerning, and it's something that they attacked from the very beginning. Knowing this was there before the injections were even being given, how do you make sense of that? How do you argue that's about your health? Well, just as stupid as this discussion, as Gavin Newsom declares a state of emergency around the conversation of monkeypox. I mean, I can't even believe this is continuing to happen because we know this has already happened in multiple other places based on what? What is the actually I forgot I was going to do that. What is the definition of an emergency here? Does it even matter? I mean, because understand there is a metric that must be met. They're not meeting it. There's no deaths. Barely, I mean, there's, this is not even, even registering on the understand, the, even the cases, how many there are, even using PCR tests, we're still barely even on a blip on the radar in regard to what we talked about around COVID. And even that was not considered a pandemic emergency based on their previous metrics. So how in the world are we allowing these people to open up emergency funding, emergency action based on what their opinion of it or the hypothetical maybe tomorrow could be? That's not an emergency. That's like pre, what do you want to call that? Like a medical pre-crime kind of argument where they're telling you tomorrow, this could get worse, so we're going to declare an emergency now for your best interest. Why is that okay for anybody? This, this, this childish mentality that they're going to do the right thing for you because they care about you is a savior complex. Even if you think that's the case, it's, it would behoove you to question that because history shows that they don't. But here we are. Their argument, I'm telling you, is that we that because COVID and how much we failed, even though they predicted we would do it before it got here and then let it happen and then pointed at it and said, see, it was that's why we need to be more prepared. So when this kind of thing happens, they can go here. We're going to declare that ahead of time because, look, we failed before. So now we're going to declare it before we get there. 
And then whether or not it happens, the argument will be because we did it, we stopped it from happening. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Either way, it's not okay for them to declare an emergency when there's not an emergency and use that to control your life. But that is what is happening right now. Not even to mention all the concerning things around this conversation that should upset you. has just announced a state of emergency and the fight against monkeypox. The proclamation will help expand vaccination efforts. It also helps the state with its outreach and education efforts as well. The st- vaccination effort. Are you serious? I'll get into it. I've already talked about it. Vaccination effort of using injections that are dangerous, that are not even remotely benefit outweigh the risk kind of scenario when you're using something called the most dangerous vaccine ever made. Because the argument is, well, it's dangerous, but smallpox was so much more dangerous. That's your benefit outweigh the risk nonsensical argument that they make about everything, despite the fact that no matter what, it should be your choice. Then we get to a point where this is not even a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what they would point at with smallpox or anything else for that matter. And yet here we are arguing that we should give them these things. The things that caused people to get sick when they're near them. The things that cause one person to die and one in every million. I've already gone over this directly from the CDC website. But yeah, let's um, declare an emergency when there's not an emergency so we can push vaccines people don't need in a situation where they're not in danger when the vaccine itself has a higher risk of danger than the thing we're pointing at. That's, that is easy to prove. Let it, well, you have to include the fact that the low chance of them first getting it and then the low chance of it even being a problem, seeing how there have been no deaths, and then pretend that it's less if it makes sense to take something that's more dangerous to fight something that might continue to get more dangerous for the population, yeah, go ahead and do something dangerous for you for the greater good of the society. You see the message that's always there? Nothing about this makes sense. States will follow the response plan developed during the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's also the point. They're using the same model, the same failed effort, the same model that's based on things that did not work. The lockdowns, the masks, the quarantine, everything that even their own side picked apart the whole time. Because what we found out is that it destroyed everything. This idea that the only thing that matters is COVID-19 is destroying everything. People are getting kicked out of hospitals with broken necks because COVID. That's what's happening right now. People have lost their minds. And it's not everybody. I don't even think it's the majority. But some of these people are so hyped up on their own superiority, their own righteous indignation about the people that won't do what they're told, that they're doing things like that. But hear what they're saying. The same model is being applied. Quarantine, lockdown, forced masks, forced injections. It's all coming back to you if we let it. Now, Governor Newsom released a statement saying, in part, we will continue to work with the federal government to secure more vaccines, raise awareness about reducing risk, and stand with the LGBTQ community fighting stigmatization. Yeah, the stigmatization that they created, right? They're the ones pushing that whole idea and acting like they have to stand up and protect them from the thing that they pushed out. I still argue it doesn't make any sense, along with other experts, that there's no rational reason why this only spreads between men who have sex with men, despite the fact that we see other examples of that not being the case, and they don't explain why that even adds up, like any other part of this. It's just like, go along with whatever we spin today. That's your your marching order. Doesn't matter how it doesn't add up. Doesn't matter how the transmission made it here. Doesn't matter that it has entirely different symptoms, or that, I mean, everything about it. Just go along with it. Why not? Go ahead and take a cowpox vaccine they made for smallpox that has nothing to do with monkeypox because it's all safe and effective, right? Just go along. Don't ask questions because that means you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, here's my discussion of this. The push for dangerous treatment of non-emergency monkeypox. That's what's happening. Um, Actually, I'm glad I brought this up. 
because I have now now I have I can I can bring up that um, link that I wanted to the other day and I couldn't find. Oh, this is the first one, by the way. This is still the most recent page, June 17, 2022. Hear this, guys. This is from the CDC. There are no treatments specifically for monkeypox virus infections, period. They have a smallpox vaccine. They've got a different smallpox, newer vaccine, and they've got T-pox treatment, all of which are dangerous. I've gone over every single one of them. Watch this show for a more in-depth coverage of this, but just the one that I want you to see is what they're pushing. Here is this. This is one of the injections, all of which have similar problems. Not all are live virus scenarios, but these are being given right now. These are some of the things that they're using. And the point is, as it says on the CDC website, guys, for every 1,000 vaccinated, one person experiences a life, but a serious, but not life-threatening reaction. These reactions may require medical attention. Here's what they're talking about. Spreading the vaccinia virus, the cowpox virus, by touching the vaccination site, and then touching another part of the body or another person. It usually occurs on the genitals or the face, including the eyes. So the point is you can take this vaccine and one in every thousand people will be potentially spreading the very thing you're being vaccinated against. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And that's that's for something that's barely hurting. It's not killing anybody. So all you're going to do is increase, the, you're forcing everyone to go out there and get these injections at a time when there's, I mean, how many, how many people will get injected? For one in every thousand. They then can get sick and spread that to how many of those people after that? And we're talking about cases that are so minimal with no deaths and acting like that makes sense. That's you're manufacturing a pandemic with that. And on top of that, under life threatening, it also says that it says, uh, oh, that's right. It was more than I said before. I was saying one in a million. It's actually about four, between 14 and 52 people out of every million vaccinated. One will die or excuse me, between 14 and 52 people will die out of every million vaccinated. Now, that's ridiculous. The argument is because smallpox is so dangerous. But with something that's killing nobody, nobody, we're going to give them something that kills possibly 52 people out of every million. Yeah, 330 million people in the country. People die to take this for something that doesn't kill you. How does that make sense? Now, the same thing goes for T-pox, and I've gone over all of them. You can check it all out here. I went in depth on this. They're using animal studies from the, the cowpox for smallpox vaccine and inferring that information without human trials to say that this works for monkeypox. That doesn't make sense. That's assuming that's even what's happening. Okay, then we have this declaration of emergency. This is from the California, this is from Gavin Newsom. This is really interesting to me. Whereas clusters of monkeypox cases with apparent local transmission, meaning they don't know, how can you even argue you can declare anything when you don't really know what's happening? were identified at multiple countries, count, uh, countries, whereas on May 20th, the first case of monkeypox in the United States was confirmed. On, uh, investigation began in the case of monkeypox in California. On and on and on. Make sure I'm not missing anything. CDC announced a national vaccine strategy. Yeah, on June 28th, a national vaccine strategy. Why are we even talking about injections for something that's not killing anybody, for something that, injections that aren't made for this that are dangerous? I, I just can't get past how crazy that is. But it says more than 20, so 20,000 cases globally, 20,000 all around the world. That's it. And you're telling me that one in every thousand is going to get other people sick. None of them, only three arguable cases in, in Africa are deaths. And that's based on PCR test. And then you're telling me that around this average 35 out of a million are going to die for 20,000 cases and no deaths. This is alarming. Guys, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but this is crazier than COVID-19. 
the most cases resolved within a week, while most cases resolve within a few weeks, it can lead to problems, right? Anything can. Literally anything can lead to problems. That doesn't mean you should then lock down the world and force dangerous injections just in case. But that's the kind of mindset they're using, the kind of thing that's already been called out by the HHS, the BNJ, and the WHO themselves calling out the other WHO arguments, saying that we can't just base this on the hypothetical and the worst case scenarios. It's got to be balanced risk assessment. It's got to be not based on definitions. And then those people got fired and they went anyway. That's what happened. And we, Corbett and I just talked about the, the public health emergency of international concern and how they are they changed the definition right before the swine flu problem that ended up also being one of the things they called a pandemic of fear the who themselves and the only reason they were able to call it a pandemic was because they changed the definition right before it started and the argument they made within that on the article from the hhs was that they did it to sell vaccines it's all there it's not conspiracy people in their basements these are the other entities in these circles calling them out back before this started but going on, oh, yeah, here it is. Because due to a limited supply of the Janios vaccine from the federal government, I mean, here, I might as well grab that one. Just so you can see this as well. This is the smallpox, in parentheses, they've added that monkeypox vaccine. This is not, oh, this is actually the wrong one. I think it's this one. Any case, there's a lot of these in here. No, that wasn't it. They, they go over exactly my points that I'm making. Just go. You'll, you can read all these for yourself. It's very clear what we're, what this is talking about. I'm not going to try to find it. It'll take me a minute. But this is the where we went over this, and it's alarming the stuff they go over in this. Here's interesting. Uh, what was this one? Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. How about the point that they're as the New England Journal of Medicine showed that 41 percent of people that are being told they have monkeypox have HIV. Why doesn't that? That's ridiculous. There's something going on here. It just does not add up. And the problem, and see, the point is that this is not allowed for children. However, the clinical efficacy data is pending, and yet they're already giving it to kids. That's already happened, by the way. Apparently, Biden himself already allowed this to be given to a child, according to the corporate media reports. Side effects. I don't know. I'm going to take too long on this. I already I went over this in depth on this show. Please check it out. But point is. To come down here to the to where they get into all, you know, whereas, and then now, therefore, I am declaring a state of emergency. Now, it says Constitution and statutes, including the California Emergency Services Act, and in particular, the Government Code Section 8625, hereby proclaim a state of emergency. In preparing for and responding to monkeypox, all agencies of the state government use and employ state personnel, equipment, facilities, perform, and all activities consistent with the deck the direction of the Office of Emergency Services as well. Also, it says all residents are, he heed the, op that wasn't the one, hold on, there was a, there's only two things I want to show you really. Oh, okay, right here, this was one of them. This is crazy. So this is the first point. Restrictions set forth in Penal Code Section 396, which are automatically triggered upon a state of emergency proclamation are suspended. And no such restrictions are imposed with respect to this emergency. So it, where's the legal avenue by which they get to pick and choose which things they're supposed to be initiated or not? Why do they get to just say that one doesn't count today? Right? If there's some sort of statement or legislation that says if state of emergencies are declared, this penal code section 396 must be initiated. Why does Gavin Newsom going to be like, nope, not today. I'm going to go ahead and cross that one out. That's what happens when you have these authoritarian, tyrannical kind of government standing where they're just they're ruling by fiat. You're ruling by mandate. Oh, there was uh, where was it? There was an, where was it? I, I lost the picture. 
Yes, right here. It says, I find that the conditions caused by monkeypox are likely to require the combined forces of a mutual aid region or regions to appropriately respond. Now, what that shows you is the idea of crossing borders internationally and locally and saying, well, we got to work together to be able to actually stop this. And that's just it's creating the biosecurity state argument. But to go to that penal code they're pointing out, here's what that actually means. It says the legislator, and you can see right here, 396, the legislature, legislature hereby finds that during a state of emergency, some merchants have taken unfair advantage of consumers by greatly increasing prices for essential goods. We saw that in COVID-19. It says when a declared state of emergency or local emergency results in abnormal disruptions of the market, which is always what happens, the public interest requires that excessive and unjustified increases in prices of essential consumer goods and services be prohibited. Basically saying, well, when there's an emergency declared, you're not allowed to jack up the prices. It is the intent of the legislature in enacting this act to protect citizens from excessive and unjustified increases in the prices charged during a shortly after a declared state of emergency. Well, that seems perfectly normal, doesn't it? So ask yourself why Gavin Newsom would say that exact protection for you doesn't apply this time. Gee, I wonder if he's got money invested in certain parts of this or I mean, I don't even know. But why would you explicitly call out the one thing in there that's protecting you from price gouging during the emergency and say, just don't do that one this time. That doesn't count. We're suspending that. So that means all these companies can jack up the prices about whatever they want. And that doesn't apply because he cares about you. Right. Clearly. Very strange. Well, we know that Illinois' governor has already declared this emergency. We know that it's happened in New York. We know Lena Wen is already saying we want an, an emergency around the entire country. Based on what? I can't believe that we're here. Here's another article that Derek Rose wrote about the no regrets monkeypox simulation in 2021. That's right. They also had a, a, a monkeypox simulation predicting 270 million dead, lockdowns, mass mandates, and distancing. Looks like that's where it's going other than the death they predict, just like with COVID-19. In 2021, they did this. Another pandemic exercise. Read it for yourself. It's pretty alarming. I also went over this back on May 20 and said, could monkeypox be the next COVID-19? What did the secret 2121 monkeypox exercise say? And the point was ultimately that, yes, this could be. All the fixings are there should they want to. That's the question. Now, whether this builds or whether they use it to keep you in check, however we talk about this, it's obvious that this is the same off-the-rails, unjustified push. And finally, this is where the whole thing is leading, guys. All of this, whether it's meant to distract you from this part exactly or just drive you in this direction or rather use this to destroy everything and argue that's why it all needs to be rebuilt, Here's the Telegraph even calling this out today. So just realize that you're not some weirdo in the corner that they want you to think. Everybody sees this, including the corporate media. This is from August 1st. Now what it says, a, a catastrophic energy crisis will fuel a revolt, will fuel a revolt against our failed elites, elitists. Here's what it says. This is the summer before the storm. Make no mistake, with energy prices set to rise to unprecedented highs. We are approaching one of the biggest geopolitical earthquake, one of the biggest geopolitical earthquake in decades. That's funny. <laughs> Typo. The, the, ensuring con, the ensuing convulsions are likely to be of a far greater order of magnitude than those that followed the 2008 financial crash, which sparked protests culminating in the Occupy movement in the Arab Spring. Yeah, or color revolutions and the illusion that they all were. But it says, but the West is not going to escape this Armageddon. In fact, in many ways, it looks it looks set to be its epicenter, and Britain is ground zero. Interesting. In Europe and America, 
a technocratic elite system built on mythology and complacency is crumbling. We think about how weird that is. We, so we talk about technocracy and it's the tinfoil hat madness. And yet they can point it out like it's a common point. That's my point across the board here, guys. That's all the time what's happening. What I was saying the other day, whether it's corporate media or the independents striving to be, they are stepping over those of us that have been dying to make this clear and acting like it's new information or acting like now it can be discussed and still deeming you conspiracy, conspiracy theorists despite you being proven correct. That's always how this goes. It's what happened with the Iraq war. It's what happens over and over and over. They're trying to capitalize. Okay, they've lost control of the narrative, right? So instead of just admitting they failed, they're trying to reposition themselves further down the road to look like they're the ones that got this right. That's the same thing they always do, and we keep falling for it at least to a degree. I'm not saying you have to be, everyone needs to stand up and, all, you know, it's not T-Lab is the only one. And the point is not about ultimately credit, as though although credit always matters, and we all know that, it's important to be credited for the work that you do. The point is not to say that, but to rather, rather to make it clear that if you only acknowledge and lean into the people that I argue are limited hangouts, eventually it's going to end up in the ground, just like Occupy, just like QAnon, just like all the rest of the things they co-op and then drive into the ground. So it's important to stand back and see the bigger picture is that now they're acknowledging the very things that 30 seconds ago were ridiculous. Now it goes on to say it's founding fable which prophesized the nation state's glorious enmeshment in world government <laughs> it's exactly it's so funny how it's just exactly what we're talking about and supply chains has metastasized into a parable of the perils of globalization so essentially they're arguing very clearly that what they were trying to do is reimagine the world and you know i guess they sort of do make the argument that they believe they were doing the right thing i don't even buy that for a second not for the not for some of them but nonetheless, that what they did was push this in because they wanted to, and they and they, and everybody flipped out because you're destroying people's lives, and they're not ready. They want cars. They don't want to go in the green direction. They don't want climate change discussion. They don't want any of it, and they did it anyway because they know what's best, and it's blowing up in their faces. We all see it. It's happening all around the world right now. It says, for all the attempts to depict the Ukraine war as a black swan event, a spike in basic commodity prices in a volatile world was perfectly predictable. Now, see, that's my point, too. Even within these articles where I'm pointing out they're making points that I'm surprised they're making, it feels like that's always a means to an end to couch certain lies just like that. Yeah, it's all because of the Ukraine war, right? Everything we're experiencing is because the grain and, and the Putin gas hike, right? I mean, how can you acknowledge a technocratic elite system and then say something that stupid? It's so plainly obvious from before it started to after now, still going on, but now standing back, that it was already there, that they were manufacturing these crises. They were driving these things forward. They were taking action, let's say, in the Norwegian countries or elsewhere to reduce nitrogen and then watching the fallout and then blaming it on whoever else they could, even as they in other conversations argue that we need to do this and there will be negative consequences and it's good for all of us. And they do it and that happens and they go, no, it's Putin's fault. I mean, that's how stupid they think you are, and they're wrong. My point, though, is that they are, he's argue, they're, the writer's arguing that, well, Ukraine was predictable. We, we should have known this would happen. If you honestly think that all the things we're seeing are just because of Ukraine's war, I don't even know how you're—I mean, I, I, I don't know what else. I, I, I tend to say tie your shoes in the morning, but it's just insulting to think that you can't piece that together. People are left wondering why their leaders failed to make contingency plans. Maybe because they wanted it to seem bad so they can reimagine it. 
just a thought. I mean, as you're pointing at the whole thing we just discussed, given that they sit on vast untapped reserves of gas, oil and coal, the EU was was supine in the face of Putin's bid to keep the region's market divided and dominate its more compromised powers. Nor is there any explanation for this fiasco apart from decades of failed assumptions and policy missteps by our government class. Right. Again, I agree with that to some extent, but we know that also to some extent, possibly more so, this was a choice. That they drove this to happen. There's many examples that's proven. So you can see how this kind of, it's almost like they know that we've been caught, so we're going to let this cat out of the bag. Meanwhile, frame this as we tried to do good and, and see where that goes. But it says the time, this time, elites or elitists cannot shirk responsibility for the consequences of their fatal errors. Now I'm back in agreement. Put simply, the emperor has no clothes. Now that's a reference to the, the, the old fable or parable, I guess, or the child story, the emperor's new clothes. Which, if you haven't seen it, the idea is that the emperor gets tricked by a couple of new tradesmen that say, we're going to make you some fancy new clothes. And they make him, they don't make him clothes. They sell him nothing, essentially, and tell him he's wearing new clothes. And he's naked. And so he prances around the kingdom naked, going, look at my fancy new clothes. And plenty of people pretend they see them. Oh, he looks so great. Look at those new clothes. The point is, he has no clothes. It's an illusion. And only certain people are, have the courage to point that out. But it says the establishment simply has no message for voters in the face of hardship. All right, the hardship that they're creating, arguing that it's the, the right thing to do for the future of the planet. And even if you agree with that, it's not their choice to make for everybody. But it says the only vision for the future it can conjure up is net zero. We've heard that. And here's how they describe it. A dystopian agenda that takes the sacrificial policies, politics of austerity and financialization of the world economy to new heights. A dystopian agenda, they're calling the 2030 agenda. Think about that. I mean, I agree. That's obvious, but it's interesting it's coming out in the Telegraph. It says, it is a perfectly logical program for an elite, elitist, that has become unhinged from the real world. Exactly. They're so wildly out of touch with what people actually want. They don't, and in fact, I would argue they just don't even care because they see themselves as your betters. Don't misunderstand that. There are several countries where we might see the first signs of the resulting populist revolt. The Germans must swallow national humiliation along with higher energy bills as their political leaders are taunted on the world stage for their naive bid to prioritize economic harmony and trade links over security. Well, that's a, that's a nice way to say that. The bottom line was they undermine their own own. Everything seemingly like they, they with the Russia discussion, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, even the other energy connections with Russia. They did this because they said it was the right thing to do. They attacked those. They sanctioned them. They, they went along with the U.S. And now they're struggling more than most. And you know what? You completely could have seen this coming. Now, I argue it's because they want that to happen so they can argue, look at how terrible we are. It's not because of Putin or it's rather not because of our choices. It's because the system and the infrastructure is just designed to fail. And guess what, guys? We have a plan. Exactly. A civil disobedience movement inspired by the poll tax revolt, which we previously talked about, has already been launched here in the UK. The don't pay campaign, which is urging people to join a mass non-payment strike when the energy price cap is raised in October, has gained thousands of online supporters. And it's not even fully just about that, but it says, and if it does take off, what are the authorities going to be able to do about it? Now, there's the most important question of this whole thing. If you just collectively, as a society, stand up and say, you know what, if this is happening by next week, we will, as a country, refuse to pay our energy bills. Now, yeah, of course, they'll shut your power off, but the repercussions to them will be catastrophic. 
because that's the point. What would they actually do? Same point goes for protesting or anything else, guys. If we actually collectively stood up and said, you know, without partisanship in our minds that we don't agree with what they're doing, I don't, I can't tell you exactly what would happen, but I can tell you something different would happen. But it says, we have barely begun to grasp how unpredictable the next few years are likely to be and how poorly prepared we are to face the consequences. If weaning ourselves off Russia, a comparatively small economy, is this painful, again, acting like that's the only thing that's happening, how are we to end our addiction to cheap goods from China? Well, the idea that we even have to worry, like this is more so about far larger things, like in China's example, for instance, is like rare earth minerals, which I argue has, you know, there's a lot going on in that conversation around if you tie in things like Venezuela, Bolivia, all these places with massive lithium deposits, and that's the, exactly why they took these places over or tried to in Venezuela's case, you realize that they're trying to make up what they realize is a, is a vulnerability. That's what all this really comes down to. But the point is to make it all about them. Now, the idea for, for UK or for the United States should be, in all possible cases, to not have to rely on something outside your borders. But that's what they do anyway. Because at this point, it's about a globalist mentality and not about the actual country. But it says, this may sound like a grim prognosis, but particularly in Britain, it does feel as if we just may have entered the final act of an economic system that has patently failed. We'll look at that. You can almost hear the next part, but guess what? We've got a plan. <laughs> we'll rebuild it. The system was going to fail. We knew it. Look at 2008. It was only going to get bigger. Yeah, that's all because of their actions as they reap the benefits. It is clearer than ever, he says, that the emperor has no clothes and has no stories to distract us with. So some of that is very exactly what I would think. But most importantly, it seems to couch the entire argument as trust those same people to reimagine that future because, I mean, it's just it's interesting, is it not? Well, the future and the problem reaction solution of how they're building this is more clear than it's ever been. This is something that's always been happening, but this clip here from, from uh, Highwire is actually really, it, it's very, it's perfect. It's two minutes, and it really sums this up. You report on this. More countries are signing on to these, these climate reductions and emissions. This was written in their, in their paper in the Netherlands. It was translated. We posted and broke it at the Highwire here. This is the headline, Dutch Ministry of Finance report. 11,200 farmers must stop. 17,600 uh, reduce livestock by third to a half. This was an internal document by the Minister of Finance that was... So they're outlining in their own documentation that they need to reduce these things, and they're, and they're talking about the agenda 2030, reducing nitrogen, and yet acting like it's nobody's fault but Putin or just the way the world is, that these people are struggling. Like, these people are pushing back because they made a conscious choice to destroy their lives because of the greater good. We don't care if these families starve because they don't have jobs, because that reduces nitrogen for the world. Like, even if you agree with that, who gets to decide who suffers? Why can't we say, well, the government should suffer? Let's, let's make sure all the governments starve while this happens to make sure that they can be okay over there. Well, they wouldn't let that happen because it's not about them. They, they want the peons to starve. They want the peons to suffer while they're living in their million-dollar homes. That's the reality of this. The same people arguing we need equitable situations are the ones building themselves an ivory tower amidst it all forced into the public by uh, the members of parliament uh, requesting this. And this is basically what it said. This was translated. The current nitrogen strategy of the cabinet will mean, according to the calculations of the Ministry of Finance, that 11,200 farmer businesses must be stopped and another 17,600 farmers will have to significantly reduce their livestock by a third to almost a half. 11,000 farmers just need to stop. What exactly do you propose they do? 
And what about all the people that need that food, right? As they're actively buying up farmland and pushing all sorts of other agendas, it's impossible not to see this connect. What do you, do you, how can you blame the supply chain issues on Russia while you're actively destroying farms? I mean, it's just childishly stupid. They are creating this. And then destroying half the livestock? Again, what, I mean, how does that not connect with the argument about climate change? That's what this all relates to. The world government is deciding what needs to happen, and they're carrying it out. The calculations were published on Wednesday afternoon to show how hard the agricultural sector, a total of 40,000 to 50,000 farmers with cattle, is affected by the nitrogen fertilizer plans of the cabinet. So again, just massive reductions already on, a on the back of a global downturn right. from COVID food uh, shortages, we have these. And the same thing's happening in the UK. People, you know, you got to start scratching your head when you read these headlines. British farmers are being offered a lump sum payment to leave the industry, but at what cost to agriculture? And this is the UK's own website. Here it is right here. How to apply for a lump sum payment to leave or retire from farming. And it goes on to say, before you receive the lump sum payment, you must do all of the following. Transfer your agriculture land to England, but you can keep up to five hectares acres or plant it with trees under a woodland creation scheme. Transfer grazing and penage rights you have on common land in England where required. Give up. So all, all they're, they're doing two things here. They're reducing the supply very actively and acting like it's anybody else's fault and then transferring any possible rights to do those things that could make it come back into the hands of the government. Why in the world would we allow to a coalesce, a collection or a, 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 a condent, uh, what's the right word for that? Why would we allow them to, co to collect all of the control over your food supply in one place with a top-down controlled government situation? How dangerous is that, historically speaking, or in general? I mean, my God, again, the main point, how, I mean, we are watching them argue that Putin or whatever else or just climate change are causing supply chain issues or COVID-19 while they're behind the scenes actively and openly just shutting down farms and destroying supply chains. I mean, you got to be pretty damn stupid, willfully ignorant to not acknowledge that this is the largest part of why this is happening. Yes, I can acknowledge that other things have an effect, but this is the driving force. Up, surrender your English BPS entitlement. So basically, get the heck out of here because, you know, the, and maybe the if you change your mind in the future, deal. we'll rent it back to you. I mean, Thank you. Consolidation. I don't know why I could, the, the word wouldn't come to me. Consolidation is what I was looking for there. I mean, like the whole right. thing is so disturbing. Uh, the farmers are the problem. Farmers are not, you know. Not all of the industries that are tracking us and tracing us or causing problems around the world or starting wars. It's the farmers, those people that are out there digging the dirt, bringing us our food. And what, where's our food going to come from? And like you said, the whole place is stop global hunger. Yet the very people saying that are literally paying people to shut down their farms so that they don't grow anything. Right. And that's the other point there, too, right? Like the whole point about the big new push is about equity, sustainability and equity, you know, arguing people don't have what they need. And that's a great point from Dell. That's how in the world does that translate at the most flimsy argument? You could say that they want to destroy it all so they can convince you to let them build the new thing, which is going to be better for everybody. And that's a huge hypothetical. I don't believe that's the case. It's never worked out. The GMO situation left people more food scarce. The polio injections meant people more sick, which we're still seeing happen today. All the things they've done, Bill Gates related or otherwise, have been damaging. They did the opposite of what they said they would do, whether that was the plan or not.
But if you're talking about feeding people that need to be fed, world hunger and so on, reducing the food supply seems like a pretty stupid way to go about it until you realize that it was never about feeding people. Now, here's Bernie's tweets pointing out Brexit, the globalists are fight, uh, globalists fight back. From 2023, you'll be required to be fingerprinted and provide a facial biometric on entry to the EU from the UK. Tracked, monitored, and controlled. You are the data profit of the fourth industrial revolution. Do you see it yet? And this is Simon Calder pointing out that from May 23rd, passport stamping will be an end and you have to use fingerprints and facial biometrics. That's where this is going. And on that note, here's a clip from Morning, Good Morning America talking about Amazon One, a new biometric palm scan digital ID. That's totally fake news if you talk about it anywhere else, though, but this is the future. Right? Why? Well, because COVID and because climate change and everything else. But when we said 30 seconds ago that that's where this was all leading, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. It's you, You've got to start getting tired of that ridiculous back and forth where it's like, wait a minute, we just said that and you said we were crazy and now you're talking about it? The people over at Amazon, they want to read the palm of your hand. That's the premise behind their latest high-tech payment system called Amazon One. It's already available in more than 60 locations nationwide. So you just wave your palm and all of a sudden it knows who you are. How exactly? Right? They don't address that. How exactly does it know who you are? Well, that should alarm you guys. That means they already have something on a database that knows you by your hand, by your, I don't know, your biometric signature, your your palm print. I don't know. But think about that. That's crazy. Now, of course, they could be saying that you have to enter information for that to work and so on, but that's not how that sounded. Joining us now to talk a little bit more about this technology expert, Burton Kelso. He's here to explain all this. I, I want to get to all these questions, but the palm of your hand technology is what I'm really most curious about. Do you know how this works? Yeah, it, you actually have to sign up with your Amazon account using a credit card that is on file. Once you have that card on file, then you can use the palm of your hand to scan and make purchases. Now, you can see how this is driving people in. As, as always, these things are going to be you know, up to you to begin, right? Oh, well, if you take part in this new program, you'll go to the front of the line. Yeah, you can take part of this new program, you're going to get a, a cash discount, right? That's how they do these things, just like with the COVID injections. And so people just mindlessly fall into it because they're followers. And then when that begins to grow, then it becomes, well, if you don't do it, you're going to get a detriment, right? You're going to get a knock on this. You're going to get a take off of that. That's how that works. Then suddenly it becomes absolute because you're not you're killing your grandma when you don't or whatever the argument becomes. We've seen it all play out. The bottom line is, this is what's already happening. They already have digital IDs, vaccine passports. This is the next logical extension where these are going to be in your airport, like you're seeing right there. This is alarming. And it's being built out. They're not going to build the infrastructure for this, which they already have, if they weren't planning on using it. That's the whole 5G infrastructure that Trump rolled out, that he pushed out during COVID-19. They got barely any attention. One of the bi- a video I did about that got a million views, and that's when they censored my first YouTube account. Just the fact that Trump was rolling out 5G technology, not that it had anything to do with COVID-19, and it got a million views because Trump was rolling out 5G technology, which is being used to roll out the entire agenda after he declares an emergency. Yeah, but he's on your side, right? At any Amazon store. Okay, and and we're watching that palm reading again. Uh, So I can already hear conspiracy theorists and what they might think this would be like. And there are some, um, let's just say, uh, end of the world implications whenever you think about scanning somebody's hand and maybe their eyes and face. Uh, So again, is that secure? (laughs) Right, right. So let's start off by making fun of the people that might honestly ask questions that you literally just asked. 
right? No, oh, I could just hear the conspiracy theorists that are going to go, what? That the government's tracking your information? That they're driving you into a technocratic future that they're openly saying they're building right now for your best interest? Yeah, you are the person that is being willfully ignorant to the things you just dismissed, but yet then seem to at least consider, oh, is it safe? Is it okay? Is it, I mean, my God. This idea that we have to counterbalance everything. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's embarrassing. Like the, the people that are so afraid to be seen as this, that has nothing to do with the truth. That's a social construct that's driving people in a position where they're afraid to ask certain valid questions because higher above said those things are off limits. You know, like NSA spying, WMDs, or, or every other thing with spraying in these skies, lithium in the water, all these things. They go, oh, yeah, but it's fake right up until we tell you it's for your best interest. Or like vaccine passports or digital IDs. How is crazy fake news in 2020 land? And then it became you have to do it or you're a bad person. And yet, I know the conspiracy theory. You mean the people that said this is what would be happening in 2020? And you said then we were dumb in conspiracy theorists. And now that it's happening, you go, I could just hear them. Yeah, you can hear us going, I told you so, you moron. I told you this is what was going to happen. I told you this is where we were going. Why? Because they told you if you were listening. And here we are. Not that this is the end all be all, but they're stepping into this right now. And it, none of this is for your best interest. <laughs> it is yes because it's not like someone can mimic your uh hand your palm print and it's not like and why would somebody mimicking your handprint even be the concern like these people don't even they fundamentally don't even understand why this is concerning or don't care the bottom line is that this is about biometric uh, it, you know technocratic kind of digital id control they're building you into a city. I mean, look, right now in China, you can see the evolution of this, where you can't go on these trains or buses or you're in your apartment building if you don't scan and have a higher social, high enough social credit score. Your, your government is drooling at that possibility. They're the ones proposing that for climate change, for everything else. The climate change digitology, the bioethics discussion about whether we would do it without your knowledge. That's coming from these same people. And yet, let's laugh about the people that might be concerned about this. You see in the movies where they'll take someone's hand and use it to scan to get into something. So uh, the Amazon One technology technology is definitely safe, so people don't have to worry about those end of the world conspiracies when it comes to biometrics. It's what do you, what do you mean safe though? Like, our, what is our concern? That's going to give you cancer? Well, that's actually a genuine concern in other ways, but they, they, it's like they don't even want to understand what we're talking about. Like the idea that this can be driven into a situation where that can be shut off on you. Where you don't have a physical ID, you just have to use your palm. And then when something doesn't add up, that you say the wrong thing, you espouse the wrong idea, you spread dangerous misinformation that just so happens to be the truth, then you get shut off. Let's not pretend like they wouldn't argue that or do that. I mean, look, they already pulled people's identification. They already shut down people's bank accounts in, in Canada and elsewhere. So we're really going to pretend that if this was the reality, they wouldn't shut off your access if they deemed you a threat? I mean, it's just this is the kind of ridiculous reality we find ourselves in where these people are just that dense to what's happening around them. And as we watch the things we predicted play out, they still think you're stupid or they're part of it. Don't care. I don't really know. Frankly, I don't even care anymore. We can see it happening. It's like scanning your fingerprint or your thumbprint. It's not like Im embedding something into your hand or anything like that. Right, exactly. There's no chip embedment <laughs> involved in this process. You know people are thinking that. You Yeah, you know why? Because it's happening all over the place. It's happening in Sweden. It's happening right now in this country. It's happening all over the place. I bet you if you asked her in that moment, she would laugh and call it fake news, even though it's literally happening. Like a lot of things that they think they understand.
No, they are. Some folks. I do. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, those dumb, crazy conspiracy theorists that said that the injections would be dangerous, or the vaccine IDs would happen, or the vaccine passports would happen, or that these things would cause blood clots or heart attacks or anything else. Those are fake news, myocarditis people. Every one of those things came true. Every one of them. Or all the things we talked about at the beginning. All of it. How about just the idea of whether or not the origin and lab discussion, just the conversation itself that was dismissed as ridiculous that then became discussed. These, I mean, it just, this is the lowest level of intelligence I could possibly find. That people that continue to be see, to be, continue to watch us get proven correct, continue to dismiss the same people. It's because they're afraid, guys. That's all it comes down to. They're chi- They're afraid of what's in front of them. They're afraid of being seen as a conspiracy theorist. They're afraid of acknowledging they don't understand the world. They're afraid of realizing that the people they thought were fighting for them don't care about them. I get it. It's scary. But it's pretty childish to not acknowledge the reality because you're scared. But as I said, the new Amazon One biometric palm scan. All the ideas shouted down over the last two years as fake news are now here to save you. Now, again, I'm not talking about microchips or this or that. There's valid conversations to be had. I'm just saying the idea that there'd be any kind of digital ID or any kind of biometric palm scan was exactly what we said and exactly what they laughed at. And now they're laughing at you for thinking that that, that it's happening is a problem. And here's a reminder from 2020, thanks to Wittgenstein. Tony Blair says people will need digital ID to prove disease status in the future. And the next one you'll see is even more alarming. We just remember, this is what they told you. Not digital ID for safety or for transactions or for convenience, but for disease verification. Now, when we point at Amazon One and say, that's going to be used to confirm that you're not sick going forward. Oh, you conspiracy theorist. Because it's not now. It's not in their face because they trust what the government tells them. And then a month later, there's going to be a new pandemic. And they're going to go, good thing we've got Amazon One everywhere. Let's use that to make sure. And they're going to say, good idea. And then when you go, didn't we tell you that? They're going to go, oh, that's not the same thing. You didn't know. You're guessing and you got lucky. It just over and over and over and over. It just keeps happening, right? Create a digital ID today that is much more easily protected. So you can deal with a lot of the privacy and surveillance issues that worry people. But it's a, it's a natural evolution of the way that we're going to use technology in any event to transact daily life. And this COVID crisis gives an additional reason for doing that. Because, look, I I could be wrong about this, but when I look at, for example, how you restart some businesses, how you restart international travel, I think people's disease status, for example, have they been tested? What is the result of that test? Um, Have they had the disease? Do they have the disease? I think unless you're able to record some of this data, in a way that people can use, it's going to be difficult to, to go back to anything like a, 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 a near normal in things like, like, like transport. So if you're going to start international travel again, how do you do that unless people can be easily tested and have some record of that test? Right, exactly. So a digital ID with your virus stand, your status or your health status that you can use to verify. And, I mean, we have the Green Pass in Israel. We've got the discussion in Australia and New Zealand. They're all happening already. But there's still ridiculous fake news according to people like that on the corporate media. They're telling you this back then. They knew this would be the case. Now, look, I am the belief that this would have already been instituted and happening had we not pushed back, had we not had an amazing effect on what people saw and understood. Now, that, that I know that for sure. That's one of those kind of arguments where, you know, the same as anything else. We don't. We shouldn't assume that. 
It could be that it just wasn't happening. Could be that we just they weren't planning on doing it yet. But I believe that we had an effect and that we pushed back enough to where they slow they they stopped and they'll never fully stop. Never, guys. They'll always circle back in different ways. But we need to get we need to stay vigilant on where this is going because of that exact point, because it won't stop. And here's the final point. August 2nd, this came out today. South Korea develops nanotech tattoo as health monitoring device. Yeah, it's all fake news right up until it's being tattooed on your arm, right? Now, what's interesting about this, and I'm going to probably come back to this in a different conversation. They talk about things like nanotubes. Very, very relevant to where we're going and maybe another way to get this in your body in the conversation of graphene and these conversations that are valid to have. South Koreans may soon be able to carry a device inside their own bodies in the form of a bespoke tattoo that automatically alerts them to potential heart problems. Of all things, isn't that funny? If a science, science team's project bears fruit, researchers at the Korean Institute, Advanced Institute of Science and Technology in the city of Daejeon, uh, southwest of Seoul, have developed an electronic tattoo ink made of liquid metal and carbon nanotubes that functions as a bioelectrode. Like, understand the nanotubes conversation, the carbon nanotubes, graphene specifically, either oxide or hydroxide, has been very clearly discussed in whether or not these are somehow involved in the injections, in some or all of them. And there's been some, there's, there's been a few that I think are very valid points made by people that have proven what they're looking at. And proven where they found those samples, and it's pretty interesting to see. But what's what's alarming, and even even uh, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz has argued that there's some pretty sound information around this conversation. But what's crazy about it is that this is being, I guess, discussed in another way, despite it being, I mean, just dismissed. I mean, first of all, the idea of these things are dangerous in and of themselves in your body. But not to get too off track on the point of the digital ID point of this, just to be concerned about things that might also be true that have been shouted down from the beginning. But what's happening here is about an internal, in-your-body digital identification system. Hooked up to an electrocardiogram device or other biosensor, it can send a readout of a patient's heart rate and other vital signs, such as glucose a lac and lactose, to a monitor. The researchers eventually aim to be able to dispense with, with biosensors. In the future, what we hope is to, to do is to connect a wireless chip integrated with the ink so that we can communicate or we can send signal back and forth between our body to an external device. It's probably what's already happening, usually how that goes. Much Such monitors could, in theory, be located elsewhere, including in the patient's home or, you know, in a government building. The reality, though, is, is are they capable of doing that right now? Absolutely. We all under shadow of a doubt. They're light years ahead of that possible technology. So why wouldn't it have already be happening? This is my thought. I don't know that for sure, but I always wondered that. My point, though, is this is the exact kind of thing that we would say was happening and they'd call you fake news for discussing in 2020. Inst internal devices in your body to discuss monitoring health. It's all happening around you guys. The reality is undeniably clear. It's just whether or not you're paying attention. You know this. You've been paying attention from the beginning. So thank you for being here, continuing to ask questions. I think I'm going to leave you with a clip here of what they're doing to us and how who's designed. Very short one. So as always, guys, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. I love you all. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room.